So thanks for being here. We'll start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself, with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty, or have to keep coming here to draw water. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of living water, the infinite love which flows from the Father through you and the Holy Spirit into the world and to the church for healing and restoration, reconciliation, resurrection, the fullness of life. We ask for an outpouring of your grace here today um, on each of us and all of us together as we um, take steps towards more vulnerability and openness with you so that you may help us to move forward into freedom. Mary, intercede for us today. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Therese of Lisieux, pray for us, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Great. So everyone should have one of these sheets, his why healing at the top. Um, on the front is a bunch of quotes, and on the back are some reflection questions. So during the talk, we will, I'll be referring to some of the quotes, um, and the questions are for after, during the group time. But just to lay the foundation, we've mentioned maybe at different times, if you were on the, on the retreat, um, you heard about what we were kind of hoping for with the Hope and Freedom Seminars, or I mentioned last week at Mass, or a little bit today during the homily. But just to reiterate, these three, these three hopes that we kind of as a ministry team have had um, for, in our own lives in many cases, but also for the lives of, of all of you and our, our community here, were desire for movement in areas where people feel stuck. You know, this can just happen in the spiritual life sometimes where we are making progress or we have a big turning point because of an encounter with Christ and his mercy. But then there's just this area of our life that just kind of there isn't movement for some reason and we kind of become a little hopeless or, or just kind of content to keep suffering in this way and not, not growing. So desiring for movement in areas where people feel stuck. Um, also normalizing and creating spaces for people to feel safe in sharing and being vulnerable with, with God, with each other, with, with trusted others, um, to communicate that they're not alone. You know, so a lot of times in the stuckness, there's an isolation because it's a place where I don't, I don't really want to talk about this or I don't really want to even acknowledge it. So creating those spaces for, for safe sharing and then helping us and you experience 
small victories, you know, not trying to like conquer Mount Everest on our first try, but um, to just sort of start winning, you know, instead of losing in some of these areas where we feel most weak or pain, in pain or, or stuck um, that can open us to the possibility of a, a new way of living, like a totally different way of being in Christ. So the three values that those correspond to are freedom, desiring for movement in areas where people feel stuck, to just get free, where we feel maybe enslaved. Uh, safety, that normalizing those places of sharing and vulnerability. And uh, hope. So this is where we, we can just sort of start to imagine because we start to experience a different way of living, maybe more faithful, more, more authentic, more holy, more free. So those are the values that are going to govern the talks, and um, the sharing, and also just like if there's, you'll find it at the end of this talk, we'll, have, we'll pass out a resource guide. If you want to talk to anyone on the staff, any of the priests, any of the uh, missionaries, Becca, Sarah, we want to be available to you to be a safe place to, to come and just talk about whatever you want to talk about. So this first quote at the top of the, um, all the quotes, by the way, are from a book called Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schutz. If you haven't heard of him or heard of that book, that's fine. If you never read it, I've taken the liberty of pulling the passages that I think are most essential, but it's a, it's a really good resource on some of this stuff. I just like freedom based in inner healing. But the first quote has to do with the first top header, why healing? So we're talking about hope, freedom, safety. Why are we talking about healing? Because it says, simply stated, healing is the process of being made whole, body, soul, and spirit. It includes the restoration of communion with God, our own integration, and reconciliation with those around us. In other words, we require, because we're compromised by sin, uh, a kind of inner restoration. That's what God came in human flesh to do. Uh, this living water that he's talking about with the, the Samaritan woman has to get into her places of woundedness, her places of sin, in order to bring her back to wholeness that integration of her body, soul, and spirit, but also her restoration with communion with God, her own integration, which is like a reconciliation with herself, because there's a divided self there, but then also reconciliation with those around her. So that's, that's living a free and holy life. Uh, there has to be some restoration. So the point, in other words, of healing is intimacy. Sometimes when we talk about healing, whether it's like miraculous healing of physical sickness or, or injury, or in this kind of deeper inner healing from like core wounds, from maybe childhood or something like that, we can have this image, or at least I've had it in my life, where it's like, I just have to figure out what's wrong with me, and then ask for the right grace, or pray the right way, or find the right person with the right gifts, and just get it fixed, and then I'll be okay. Then I'll have it together. As if healing is like this accomplishment, or even like a requirement for doing it, the next thing, you know, like, it's like trying to get back into the game with a broken leg or something. I got to get my leg fixed before I can go back and play. This is not like that. Healing is not just so that you can stand by yourself and be good and have it all together. That's what's wrong with us is that we think we can do that. That's the, that's the original injury of sin is self-reliance. And so healing always happens within intimacy and it's for intimacy. We are healed by love in order to love. So it's, it's this moment-by-moment moment relationship with God, with ourself, with other people. 
that's the place, that's the context in which we become ourselves. Not trying to lift ourselves up by our bootstraps and figure out what's wrong, get the right medicine, and then move on with our life. If you have that idea, a lot of times that comes from woundedness, honestly. It's like, I have to do it myself. I have to have it all together in order to be loved, in order to whatever, whatever the goal is in life. But real healing happens when we realize like we can just let that all go and surrender that and live in the reality that we are loved just as we are. And from that place, sometimes a very vulnerable place, sometimes a very just open and empty place, we can start to experience the fullness that's real. That what we've been trying to do this whole time is a certain kind of false self. That that's maybe why we feel so stuck because we're just trying to like spin our own wheels. We're trying to coach ourselves to do better, but then we don't really trust ourselves. So we don't do what we think we should do. And then we beat ourselves up and it's all just me talking to myself about myself and never talking to anybody else, much less God, about what I really want, what's really going on in my heart. Okay? So healing is for intimacy, and it comes from intimacy. This uh, second quote is from the book. Um, Dr. Schutz, he kind of tells his own testimony, and just some background for this story, is that he, um, his father left his family when he was very young, and that created in him... A certain he wasn't aware of it at the time, but a certain woundedness, um, this abandonment of his father. And he responded to that abandonment by just basically taking on the role of the man of the house and doing everything right and providing for his mom and you know doing, doing what needed to be done to keep the family kind of together. Whereas his brother went the opposite extreme and just sort of acted out, lashed out, did drugs, ran away from home and all this other stuff. And he, he responded to the to the emptiness with just tight control of himself, his situation, other people. And he started to have this kind of conversion, and he was at this men's retreat, and they were singing a song about how God is good. That was one of the refrains of the song. And he had this thought during the song, what the hell is so good about God? And he was shocked by his own thought and thought, well, that's blasphemy. But it came from this place, like he had the grace in the moment to not just ignore it, deny it, feel ashamed, and pretend that it didn't happen. But he, he was like sitting with it on this retreat in the silence after this time with the, with the other men singing. And was like, whoa, there's some belief in here that I don't think God is good. Anyways, he had the grace to bring it to some prayer and um, some people prayed with him. And then he, he had an experience of God's love in that place when he was able to be honest about it. <clears throat> and this is him talking about that experience. It says, finally, I understood why I had entertained those blasphemous thoughts. What in the hell is so good about God? From six months earlier. They came from a deeply rooted belief that I could never please God, no matter how hard I tried. My theology knew he was good, but my wounded heart believed some lies about him. These lies were hard to articulate, but sounded something like this. God is a cruel taskmaster who always demands more. He is never here for me. These wounds originated years earlier from my broken relationship with my dad. I loved my dad, and I knew he loved me, but after he left, I silently judged him in my heart as a good father who turned bad and could not be trusted. I never voiced those words out loud. They remained hidden in my heart. Out of that wound, I projected all that this unconsciously onto God the Father. Not trusting him, I had been trying to earn his love. I was striving to please him, but I felt... It was ne- I, or, but felt it was never good enough 
because I couldn't feel his love. Until this outpouring of grace, I didn't really believe he loved me. Finally, I knew his love. With the barriers around my heart removed, I could now receive what he had always desired to give me. It's good to just attend to what's going on in your own heart as, as I'm talking, as we're reading some of these quotes, as we just talk about this theme in general, because um, that's where the healing is going to happen. And what Dr. Schutz was able to do is acknowledge the reality of what was going on in his heart uh, and bring it to God. His story is not your story. Your story doesn't need to be the same as this. doesn't need to be the same as the person next to you. This could speak very deeply to you or it could speak not at all. Or it could sound like, man, that'd be nice if that would happen to me, but I don't see that. I, I identify with not being able to feel loved by God, but where's my healing experience or where's this overflowing love where now I can believe it and it all goes away, all these wounds and all this, this pain. There's no rush in any of this. And this is a big story and a kind of complete narrative in a way in this guy's life that he's just giving at the beginning as a way of saying like, this is what can happen at these places of emptiness, loneliness, rejection, abandonment, anger, sadness can become places of communion, places where you now feel loved and feel like you have what you need, where before it felt like this is a place that's not safe. I'm not okay here. I'm going to like put up walls and barriers and fortresses. I'm going to take control in areas of life where I do feel I can manage and just leave this person behind. What it's meant to do is just give you hope that that's possible to actually go to that place of emptiness and darkness and light can come into it. Okay, so he starts with that, but then goes into <clears throat> very quickly like where, where that happens, the context in which that kind of healing happens, is in unconditional love, which is why we highlight here from Luke the story of the baptism. So this third quote is just from the Gospel of Luke. After all the people had been baptized and Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Okay, so very familiar story. He says, can you envision yourself on the side of the Jordan watching this scene unfold? Notice that before Jesus accomplishes anything, the father expresses unconditional love and delight in his son. The father's approval is not based on Jesus's performance. Rather, he delights in Jesus because of who he is. Those of us who have children and grandchildren can relate, at least in some small measure, to the father's unconditional love for his son. When I look at my children, grandchildren, and spiritual children, my heart often swells with love. I delight in each of them and treasure each of them for who they are, individually and uniquely. Though I enjoy seeing their accomplishments, it is not the foundation of my love for them. How much more the Father freely delights in his beloved Son. Can you even begin to comprehend the Father's love for Jesus? I can almost see and hear the Father looking down from heaven and saying to all who will listen, This is my Son. I delight in him. He brings great joy to my heart. Just let that truth kind of rest. That Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Ostensibly in his ministry. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't preached anything. This is the very beginning of his story. 
and he hears the father say from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. That's the love we come from, which defines us. That's who we really are, is beloved. And from that identity grows everything else, our personality, our goals in life, our, our actions, our choices, are governed by the fact that we know ourselves to be loved. And in return, we love back. We love God who loves us. So we see in Jesus the perfect instantiation of what it looks like for a human being to just not live out of fear ever, not try to prove himself, not do the right thing because he's afraid of getting punished. He just lives out of his sonship. And when we're baptized, we become part of him. So we are also now completely identified with the son. So you are a beloved child, beloved son or beloved daughter of God. That's who you are. There's no other identity that truly defines you. Even if other voices or other narratives might exist in your heart, like, this is who I am. Or this is who I want to be. This is who I'm trying to become. You already are loved. Not because of something you have done or are doing or will do one day, but because of who you are. And maybe you've never felt that kind of love in your whole life. Maybe you've never felt like safe to just be you as you are and know that that's enough. Maybe you've always felt like there's something wrong with me. There's something I need to do to fix myself, to make myself lovable in order to know that I'm good enough, in order to get people to look at me and tell me and convince me that I have it together and that I'm doing okay. Maybe you've never felt that once in your life. But it's true. That's the way God looks at each of us. Or maybe you have felt that. Maybe you have relationships in your family, in your life, where you you know, like, with these people, I can just be myself. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to perform. Um, we just love each other. That's the way this is. But we're still human and we hurt each other and there, there can be sort of tenderness and, and, and sensitivities and, and places where now, okay, I don't know that I can really be myself in this way with these people. And so that tends to kind of create a persona or a false self or a tendency not to be authentic. And we can project that, as Dr. Schutz did, onto God. Say, I can't really be myself with God because he's like, what, a cruel taskmaster or a bean counter looking for excuses to send me to hell or he just cares that I do everything right and I can't do everything right so I'll just kind of spend some time by myself trying to fix myself and then I'll go to God. Okay, so this last quote. We are created for love. Love allows us to grow as God intended in wholeness and health. Without love, we get sick and become further disintegrated in body, soul, and spirit. Even our past experiences of being cut off from love can cause great stress on us mentally, emotionally, and physically, and thereby eventually manifest in illnesses of various kinds. Deprivation of love is the root of our disease, robbing us of peace and causing disintegration. Love, on the other hand, is the source of our healing and wholeness. So just some closing remarks before we move into to the next thing. But there's no rush, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning. There's, this is, there's no agenda here. 
And the more we can like let go of an agenda, the more we can just allow God to do what he wants to do in this time, the more possible it will be for him to do that. Like if we come with expectations and say, this is, this is what I need healing for God and give it to me. And, and it's like an exercise in control or performance or trying to do it right or figure out the hack. Again, that, that, that self-reliant control is often a, 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 a response to a feeling like I can't trust God. I can't really let him do what he wants to do. I have to tell him what to do. The more we can like let go of that and just say, okay, even if nothing happens in this time together, that's fine. I made a choice to, to be here. And don't worry, you are free. Like you don't, have to, you don't have to come to any more of these talks. You don't have to come to the sharing after. If you go do come to the sharing, you don't have to share anything. You don't have, you know, it can all just be process this in, interior, but you are invited to participate as much as you want. But the most important participation will be in that conversation with God. And I want to tell you that you can do that. You have the capacity to receive his love. That, I think, is like, to me, in my own life, where I've experienced the, the most barriers to healing and wholeness is in the self-doubt about prayer, that I, can't, I don't know what I'm doing. I go in there and it's like, it's just blank space and no noise, no, no, no presence. And it's just me talking to myself and I, I feel stupid or I feel inadequate or I feel everybody else seems to know what they're doing and I don't. And I'm a priest now, I should be able to do this. Those voices, that self-doubt is very real. But you can talk to God about that. God, I'm, I don't think I know how to pray. You know? And there you are praying. Do you see? because you're actually talking from the heart to the heart of God. So just to dispel that lie that I don't really know, you know, it's like the, the story in the gospel where the guy's paralyzed and he's sitting by the, the pool, the healing pool. And Jesus comes up to him and says, do you want to be healed? And he goes, yeah, but I need to get in the water to be healed and I'm paralyzed so I can't get in the water. But the reason I need to get in the water is because I'm paralyzed and I'm trapped and I'm stuck. And Jesus just says, take up your mat and walk. And he's like, oh, and he's healed, you know. We can feel like that. We're stuck because like the very reason I need to receive God's love in this place is because I have an absence of love. But that absence of love has created a barrier in my heart to trust. So I can't let the love in. And so I'm just stuck here by the side of the pool, just looking. There's healing, but I can't put myself there. But Jesus is present with you and he can put you in the water. He will give you the tools you need to, to open your heart to him. So you can do it. In a way, it's like good to just focus on the present moment right here, right now. I always have a choice. The temptation will be like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much work. Or there's no way I can really do anything about that because of X, Y, and Z. No, right now there's some choice he's inviting you to make. To be more authentic, to be more vulnerable, to be more true and faithful. Second, hope for the future. So this is what we're talking about here is for the rest of your life. Like you experience healing in a place in your heart, it will open up paths to a whole new future to like all the years you have left in your life. Like something can happen today and now you're more free to be yourself and to what could affect your vocation, your marriage, your priesthood or consecrated life, or even just your, your walk with God to make you more free. This is for the rest of your life and it is the rest of your life as well. The point of healing, again, is not to get to a point of self-sufficiency. Like, oh, I did that healing program. Now I'm healed. Great. 
No, this, this is for living moment to moment, like learning more and more to live moment to moment in the here and now in a relationship. Not to get to that point of self-sufficiency because that's isolation, exile, and death. Self-sufficiency stinks. It's so lonely. But what we're made for is love. And what we need to do is to, to learn every day that that love is there and we can live in that relationship and leave behind self-reliance. So healing is about here and now, moment by moment, choosing a relationship, accepting reality, the reality that we are loved as we are. There's nothing we need to do to be loved. Living in this love is the joy we're destined to live in for all eternity. So that's all I have for this first talk, Why Healing? Again, there's these questions on the, on the back. We'll go over this in, in just a minute. But during the this, this sharing, we're going to break into small groups. And you'll find out who, who's which leading your small group in just a moment here and where you're going to go. But the, you'll open your small group just in silence together, answering these questions. And you can write on this paper if you want. You can just think about them in your head. You can write in a journal. But the first section of the, of the sharing will just be in silence around the table, just writing your answers as you feel called. And then the sharing is whatever you want to share. Um, you can share from the questions. You can share from what stuck out to you in the talk or just what's going on in your life. And there will be more rules for the sharing uh, once we get there. But now I'm going to invite up Sarah, who's going to share really quickly this little resource guide that we've created for you. So that'll get passed out. Hey, everybody. I think I know almost everybody here, but if I haven't met you yet, my name's Sarah. Um, I'm the development director here. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Healing, um, it's obviously super personal, and uh, there's a lot to, to think about. And we don't want you to do this alone. You're not alone in this. So this is the first of five sessions. The rest of the sessions are going to get even deeper. Um, this is scratching the surface. So this week, it may not seem like you might need a resource guide, or maybe it does. Maybe you're like... I really need need someone to talk to. So we put this together for you. We'll start on the front page. It's where to go now. If you just need to talk to someone, any of uh, us here at the Newman Center, you can just email any of us or come talk to us if you want to figure out, like, what should I be doing? What can I be doing more of? Stuff like that. Also, counseling is great if you're not already in counseling um, or therapy. Uh, we have some options there for you. UIC's Counseling Center is the first one. And then we have some other Catholic options. There's also 12-step groups that, again, we really didn't get into too much of that stuff today. Um, and we'll have these, if you lose it next time, we'll have them again, the resource sheets. Um, at the bottom, there's books and podcasts that you can look for. The first book, Be Healed, is the, is the one that Father Connor mentioned today. There's also one called Be Restored. And those are b both by Dr. Bob Schutz. And then there's prayers, the uh, litany of humility. You can look at all, you can Google any of these and find them usually on the USCCB's website or another Catholic site. And then the back, this is just to even help you guys a little bit more. If you do want to talk to one of us, you can just use this exact wording to email us. And then I know it's hard with insurance sometimes, so... If you, you don't need insurance to talk to us, obviously, but if you want to talk to a counselor um, or look for one, there are some ways to do that there. So, like I said, if you guys have any questions, please let us know.